You're listening to the Real Time Truth Podcast with D. Kevin Brown, pastor of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. To learn more about our church, visit us online at mpbc.church. We hope you're equipped today to live out the truth of God's Word every day. Today on Real Time Truth, we're going to talk about marriage in this area, communicating through conflict. You know you have it. I have it. We all have to deal with conflict. We'll talk today about how to do that in a godly way. Join us. Welcome to another episode of Real Time Truth, where we will attempt to engage in issues relating to the home, the church, the community, and the culture through the truth of God's Word. I'm Matthew McNeil. And I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. And today, as I mentioned last week, we're talking about marriage. And marriage is a wonderful thing. I love being married. Amen. Uh, But it is hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Today, we're going to talk about something we all deal with in marriage. You ready? (laughs) Conflict. Struggles. Today, we're going to talk about conflict. That does wind up being a big focus. (laughs) Yeah. What we want to try to describe today is marriage as it relates to How do we navigate and communicate through conflict? We know it's going to happen. We know it's going to come. But before we can even get there, Matthew, we've got to look at what is marriage? Mm. Now, there are so many tangents we could go on in discussing the purpose of marriage. But as we talked about, this podcast is about real-time truth based on what truth? The The Word of God. That's it. So I'm going to come at this by way of the angle of Scripture. What does the Bible say? All right, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Jesus said it himself. In Matthew 19, 4, he said that marriage is to be between a man and a woman, right? He said, for a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Mm -hmm. So that is the, the angle that we're going from here. So what is the purpose of marriage? We oftentimes think of marriage as something that, well, this is what the husband gets out of it. This is what the spouse gets out of it. I want to go even higher than that. Here's here's how I want you to see this. And this is coming from a Christian perspective. We may have listeners, uh, those who are viewing this, you're not not a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Might I invite you to contact us and let me show you how to know Jesus? But I'm coming from the perspective of Jesus is telling us the truth in that he describes that marriage is between a man and a woman, but it's bigger than all of that. It's bigger than the husband. It's bigger than the wife. Marriage is about God. Marriage has been described this way. It's a billboard for the kingdom of Christ. And so often when we get into conflict, it's when we are actually, we're selfish. And we start looking at, okay, well, he's not meeting my needs or she's not meeting my needs and this is not how I thought it was supposed to be and it all turns inward. Mm -hmm. Marriage is about the kingdom. And so, one man said to me years ago, he said, marriage is an anvil. You know what an anvil is? It's a big old piece of metal that you take and you you hone down another piece of metal like a blacksmith with a horseshoe. Mm -hmm. Marriage is an anvil that God uses to hammer us and to make us in the person that he wants us to be. And when I think of that, the other day we were talking about this, I think about how God made Adam. Mm -hmm. He made Adam and then he made the statement, it's not good that he be alone. But the thing is, so Eve was not a patch 
for like a mistake that God made. God made Adam to need someone else. And I think that goes hand in hand what you just said about God using marriage, one, to show the world him because, I mean, again, we're two unique people Mm -hmm. and we have to make things work. And we're not able to do it among ourselves. That's a God thing. And so then beyond that, he actually uses that other person that he brings into our life to do that work in us. Yeah. And to that point, Matthew, think about this, those who are listening or even watching. Ask yourself this, is my marriage bringing glory to God? Hmm. In other words, when somebody looks at my marriage, is my marriage pointing people to Jesus? Can they look at my, let's say you have a family structure, okay? You've got kids within the marriage. Mm -hmm. Can people look at, let's say me, the Browns, or you, the McNeils, and say, those people are actually pointing others to Jesus by way of their marriage and their family. When we don't point others to Christ and we begin looking inwardly, that's often when the conflict comes. Absolutely. And so that, those are the things that we want to talk about today. It, now that we've established the purpose, we want to understand how do we communicate through conflict because truly men and women see things very differently. And that's, that's the source of the conflict. Yeah. It's just because it's the differences. Definitely. So there's a book, and we'll uh, tag this in the notes, but Emerson Egrich wrote a book years ago called Love and Respect, and I love it. <laughs> he talks about that women wear pink sunglasses, men, us fellows, wear blue sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means we can both be looking at a particular issue or subject, and we see them, that issue, differently, just by the way that we look at it. And so... Sometimes those differences create conflict. And, and the, the way that I like to describe it, it's, it's, it's not that, let's say, my wife Pam is wrong in the way that she sees something through her pink sunglasses or that, that I'm wrong in the way that I see things through my blue sunglasses. It's just different. That's right. Totally different. So if we don't understand that fact, then we can become frustrated because he or she doesn't see it the way that I see it. We have to remember that God in created at creating Adam and Eve for one another are filling the gaps. And so for the listener, I'm actually taking my fingers and I'm actually spreading them apart as my fingers intermesh in between my right hand and my left hand. God made us to fill the gaps. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if my wife were like me, we'd kill each other. Is that true of you and Rachel? Yes. Yeah. So aren't we all glad that God typically, not always, but made opposites attract? Well, yes. He makes us to balance each other out. Definitely. Now, when we're thinking about this topic of communicating through conflict, there's there's an understanding from Scripture that we want to use to kind of couch the rest of our time today. Mm -hmm. It's Ephesians 5.33. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, was describing the roles of husbands and wives. He started out with the, the uh, husbands, uh, the, the wives rather, in verse 23, and then he comes to the husbands, but then he f- closes it all together. He wraps it together with verse 33, and it says this, However, let each one of you love his wife, talking to the men, mm-hmm. love, hear that word love, his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she loves her husband. What? Respects. 
Whoa. So was there an accident there? Did, did the Apostle Paul really need to write the word love? No, it looks like he like, messed up his parallelism there. <laughs> God does not make mistakes mm -hmm. with his word. And so the word that's used there is respect. So husbands are to love. Wives are to respect. Mm -hmm. And here's the issue. Here's where the conflict comes. You ready? When a man does not feel respected, guess what he's not going to show to her? Love. And when a wife does not feel loved, she is not going to respect her husband. And that's the key to that passage there, is it wasn't supposed to mirror each other. Each individual was told what they needed to hear. They were told what they needed to do that was not natural to them. Yes. You know, guys operate on a level of respect. Yes. When you ask a guy, hey, tell me about yourself, he's going to start talking about what? His job, what he does. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas you go to his wife, you know, you're at a party and you're, you're separated, you know, on both ends. And yeah. someone goes and says, oh, you know, so tell me your name and tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. She's going to start talking about. She's going to talk about her relationships, her family, the things that um, are, are more related to the home. Because she operates from a perspective of love. Exactly. That's natural for her. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit didn't have to tell her That's exactly to right. Love. This is where the issue often comes. I'll be doing marriage counseling in my office, and I'll ask the lady, I'll say, do you love him? And she's like, of course. Absolutely, I love him. And then I ask this, do you respect him? That's the issue. And the guy's often shocked to hear her either say it, and a lot of times they don't say it, but with their body language, by squirming in the chair, looking down at the floor, they've actually said, no, I do not respect him. And the guy's like, what? Because he thinks everything's good because she loves him. But the issue is, is there the respect there? And this is where the conflict can come in. So here, here's the way that we can couch this. If your spouse, let's, let's say that, sir, you hear your wife say something negative, okay? The question you should ask yourself is this, am I being unloving? Mm. Am I being unloving? Now let's switch the roles. Let's say that in the, in the case of the gentleman, that he is feeling, you know, big time disrespected. She thinks, though, she's being, you know, I love you, honey, I, I this and that, the other, but then she's talking negatively to the kids about him, which is disrespectful to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, your dad can't ever seem to get here on time. Every time he says he's going to be here, he's always 10 minutes late. That very well may be true, but is that something that needs to be said in front of the kids? And so he takes that as being disrespectful. And so the next thing you know, he says something unloving. He goes, well, what's your problem today? You know, did you get up on the wrong side of the bed? And, and in the first 30 seconds of the interaction, now the kids are, you know, they're almost on edge. They're like walking on pins and needles, what's wrong with mom and dad? And the next thing you know, almost every conversation can turn into this, you know, tick for tat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I didn't have anything to add. <laughs> Here's the thing I want to say. If you're, those that are listening, watching, I've been married for almost 29 years. And it, as Matthew said it earlier, it's not easy. You know, <laughs> I married a saint. I really did because I am so 
as one guy told me, I'm type A, B, C, D, and E. I'm like all of them. I am driven. I'm, I'm, I, I, I always think I'm right. Um, and my wife has to navigate through a lot of me being a jerk sometimes. And I'm grateful that she's hung in there with me. Mm. Now, I hope through the years I've matured. Early on in our marriage, I don't even understand why she put up with me. I'm embarrassed uh, at, at some of the things that I thought. I, I remember trying to uh, turn my wife into me mm. because I thought that my way was right. And I would get bent out of shape because she put the toilet paper on wrong. Because, Matthew, it's got to go over the top, right? I agree with of you. Of course, you know, you're sitting there and you're reading your you know, news on your cell phone, and you can tear off the paper quickly with one hand that way. But if it's underneath, it it all rolls off, you know. And I used to pitch a fit. Hey, hey, why can't you put the toilet paper on right? Does it really matter? No. No, it doesn't. It's not wrong. It's just different. It, she's just trying to make things go. Mm-hmm. And so these little simple things that can irritate us, um, it... It's really a harbinger of selfishness. Well, there's that. And then, but, and if I can, going back to what we were saying before about the differences in the way that we look at things. Yeah. Um, can you go into, and tell me if you want to or not, but can you go into an example of a time when maybe the way you looked at things oh, yeah. was, was one of those times where it was like, oh, yeah. this opened up a can of worms I wasn't ready to get into. Yeah, one, I can, and there's many. And in my mind, um, where I go is to the area of finances. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those of you listening out there, just think about this. I mean, how much do we talk about money? I mean, I mean yeah, because who has enough? Nobody. I mean, anybody want to raise their hand and say, I've got enough money, I don't need any more? No, I don't know of anybody. So we're always thinking about money. We're always thinking about how to, you know, if you've got kids, all right, how do I feed them? How do I clothe them? How do I educate them? You know, um, how do I pay for Christmas? What do I get for their birthday? And then, so there can be this conflict. I am a saver, mm-hmm. okay? So I'm constantly thinking, all right, how much money, more money can we put on the house payment and pay the house down? And not that that my wife's not thinking about that, but she's like the chief operating officer of the house, and she's like, baby, that extra 50 bucks that you want to put on the house, I need it for groceries. Or Andrew needs another pair of shoes. And I'm so bad not to think about that. And then we we can be in conflict over something like money because I'm seeing it in, with my blue sunglasses. Exactly. She's seeing it in her pink sunglasses. Not wrong, just different. And we have to compromise. You're looking at a goal. Yes. And she's looking at experiences and quality of life. Yes, definitely. And so I'll say this. Um, and there's one of you in the relationship. One of you is typically the one that's going to try to save money, and the other one is the one that's probably going to maybe spend a little bit more. And God help you if you're both going to spend money. You're going to be in the poorhouse. You're going to have a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, usually there's going to be one that leans one way or the other more so mm-hmm. than you know to either spending or saving. But um, I have I have learned to look at my wife and to, and to say to her, all right, what do you need, baby? What do you need? And listen, and really listen. 
I'm so bad to want to fix things, and I and and sometimes I'll look at Pam and I'll go, I'll go. All right, I've got a solution here. Do you want me to offer a solution, or do you want me just to listen? You know what she's. What do you think she says ninety percent of the time? Well, I I'm trying not to think of this as a guy, but I'm trying to think. Okay. Maybe I do want a solution, but I need you just to listen to me first. Definitely. That's it. My wife, 90% of the time, I think she knows uh, what needs to happen, mm. but she just wants me to be there to listen. Just talk through it. Yeah, talk through it for sure. And so if we're not careful, we can end up on what Egrich calls in his book the crazy cycle. Mm-hmm. And the crazy cycle is it is crazy. Because a man doesn't show love, so she doesn't feel loved, and so what is she not going to show toward him? Respect. Respect. All right? So he doesn't feel respected, so he's not going to show love. So without love, she's not going to get... There's the crazy cycle. That cycle just keeps going, just keeps yes. going. So, no love reacts, no respect. No respect reacts, no exactly. love. So now the question becomes this. What is the incentive to get off of the crazy cycle? And, and, and I, I thought about this. Um, Egrich said it in his book, and I read it. Again, this book's been around for a while, but, but he said um, incentive is not the problem. Um, it is just us really deciding that we want to fix something. And so here's the, here's the example that he used, and I like this. If somebody said to you, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and you and your wife have to be kind to each other every time you see each other for the next five days, would you be kind to each other? Yeah. Absolutely. For a million bucks. Are you kidding? So here, it's not for lack of ability. It's lack of incentive. What's the incentive? The incentive is you love that person. Mm-hmm. Go back and think about when you met and when you began to date. And you think about how you felt so often. It's that old song, you've lost that loving feeling, oh. And that's what happens. It's the feeling. Love is a decision. Yes, it is. It's a decision. It's more than a feeling. The culture thinks it's all eros, which is the Greek word for erotic love. But the love we're talking about here is agape, and it's unconditional. Yeah. It's, the, it's the wedding vows for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. And so it's not for lack of ability. It's that we forget what the purpose is, that our marriage is for the kingdom of God. And so oftentimes, I know it sounds silly, but I try to describe to people, and I remind myself of this. Imagine Jesus is over the right shoulder of your spouse, and he's got his hands underneath his chin with his fingers wiggling, going, hello, Remember me? You know, and it seems silly and we laugh, but, but just imagine, I'm you, Matthew, mm-hmm. and then you'll be Rachel, and over your right shoulder, I see Jesus. Brown hair, beard, brown eyes, and Jesus, I, I, and he's like, hello, I'm here. It's me. This is who you need to see when you're talking to her. And ma'am, behind his right shoulder is Jesus, and that's who you need to see when you're talking to him. And the perspective starts to change because I want to treat my wife like I would treat Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I want because it's not about me. It's not about even my wishes. When we get in marriage and start thinking about what I want 
and my needs aren't being met, I've now turned inward. Yep. And now it's all selfish. And which and that is the opposite of love. It is. And there comes the conflict. So as we think about marriage, as we think about Ephesians 5.33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The question is asked, well, who breaks the cycle? Mm. Okay, men, are you listening? Fellas, listen. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what, Matthew? And he died for her. He died for her. He gave himself up for her. Yep. You know what the wife has to do, according to Scripture? It's, it's, it's not a very popular word, but she submits to him. But listen, submission is different than death. Okay? Yeah. Okay? He dies. So, sir, we are to lead in our homes, and we do that in a loving servant attitude. Like Jesus led the disciples, and he took up a towel and a basin, and he washed their feet. Mm. That is the loving thing. And so we show love even when we don't feel like it, even when she's being disrespectful. But ladies, I get this. Some of you are married to a man, and he's not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And you know it, and you've been living in it. And, and what I'm getting ready to say, you're going to cringe, and you're going to go, no way, Jose. All right, but here it comes, ladies. Show him respect even when he doesn't deserve it. Mm. Show him respect. I'm not saying you've got to grovel. I'm not saying you're a doormat. You're none of that. I'm not saying be mistreated. Certainly none of that. Mm. But I'm saying be respectful to him. And all of a sudden, he starts seeing that respect. And he's like, he, he starts looking. He's like, baby, what, what's up with you? Don't, don't, don't fly off the handle and go, nothing's up with me. I'm just actually trying to get a little love out of you. No, don't go there, okay? <laughs> just keep being respectful. Honey, look, and then this is, this is the thing, and I think maybe we can begin to wrap this with. If there's a wall mm -hmm. in the relationship, own up to the percentage of the wall that you've built. Now, here's the thing. None of us feel like that we have built the greater majority of the wall. Some of us don't feel like we built any of the wall. Correct. But you're, you're lying to yourself if you think that's that. Right. That's right. And that's just being truthful. That's just being honest. There's no one perfect here. Can we all admit that? So in a relationship, the old saying goes, it takes two to tango. Okay? In a relationship, there's nobody perfect. You've said things you shouldn't say. You've made comments that you wish you could take back. So here's what I'm saying. If there's a wall in your relationship that's been built, own up to that percentage of the wall that you have control over and go to that, go to your spouse. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the guy here, okay? So I go to my wife, even if I think she's 80% of the problem. Truth is, the majority of the time, that's not the case. Mm. It's not the case. But let's just assume that it is. I go to my wife I, and I'm going to own up for the 20% that I feel like that I have control over. And I go to her and I say, Honey, I want to apologize. I've been so dogmatic about trying to pay this house off that I'm not even thinking about what you're trying to juggle. Mm -hmm. And you're at Walmart trying to figure out with a calculator and a pen, spending an hour and a half because I've been so tight, you know, that I, that I haven't thought about, well, 
we, we need to talk about the money here. And it, can, it doesn't have to be about money. It can be about anything. It can be about, you know, um, not wanting your kid to, to, to participate in something, and, and, but she thinks it's a good idea. It's to say, all right, let me really hear what you've got to say about this. Because men are so bad, and I'm bad for this, to cut my wife off, to cut her off, and, and really kind of tell her what I think she, she needs to think. And that is so, that's so wrong. And so go to your spouse. Let's go the other way with it. Let's say it's the lady. And the lady goes to him and says, Honey, I think I've been reacting to you in a way that's been disrespectful. And I apologize for that. And I'm sorry for the things that I've said. And I, I made a couple of comments the other night in front of the kids. And I'm sorry about that. You know what's going to happen? That other spouse is going to hear I'm not saying this is foolproof. I'm not saying it's going to always happen. But the majority of the time, this is what happens. They reciprocate. Mm. They go, you know what? You know, they hear you apologize. You know what the natural human reaction is? To apologize yourself. You know, I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I've done. And now there's communication. Now there's communication. And you've just jumped off the crazy cycle. That's it. And now you can begin to love as a man her and ma'am, you can begin to respect him. I don't know what you're dealing with out there. I don't, I don't, but I'm going to tell you, there's no marriage that's perfect. Um, I'm grateful. Again, Pam and I will be married 29 years this December 22nd, but um, it takes work. And when you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're under financial constraints, it's easy to take it out on each other. Remember who the enemy is. Who is the enemy, Matthew? It's Satan. Yes. It's Satan, and Jesus is over the right shoulder of our spouse going, Hello, I died for you and for your marriage, and your marriage is about me. That's right. It's about me. Be a billboard for Jesus Christ. Let people see what a godly marriage and what a godly home looks like. If you're frustrated today listening to this, would you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the desire to be willing to own your part of the wall? Would you just ask the Lord, help me. I've, I'm so tired of dealing with this. I, I really have no desire, ma'am, to be respectful to my husband who hasn't been loving toward me in weeks. But you know what? I want to get off this crazy cycle, and I'm going to try. God, give me the desire. Give me the, give me the strength. And so pray that. And I, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to do things, me things, you things that we didn't think that we could do. And so that'll get us off the crazy cycle and will help us to communicate properly through conflict. That's it. Well, Kevin, before we go today, um, what have we got in store with weather? Oh, man. Have y'all been hot? I mean, yes. is it like we're still in the middle of summer? It's crazy. It's been one of the hottest Septembers on record. Um, very little rain. And I think, you know, even heading into October, it, it's being described as endless summer. It almost seems like we have two seasons now. We have literally summer and winter. It's almost like we have no fall and spring. And I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of fall. I really do think when the temperature flips, and, and I think it's going to be November, I think it's going to get cold. And uh, not that it'll necessarily stay cold all winter, but I think it's, it's going to be a shock to the body come about mid-November. So we'll see how it all plays out. 
people are going to start thinking whenever we say, well, what's your favorite season? Well, it's fall. They say, well, you must like the short seasons. <laughs> That's it. So, well, next week we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And it is such a vital topic. Forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. Are you a forgiving person or are you a bitter person? Join us next week as we look into the scriptures for the answers. This has been another episode of Real Time Truth. I'm Matthew McNeil. I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. Thanks for coming. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Find us at mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of Real Time Truth.